it's all about me. Just remember that in any good organization, it's it's all about the leader. Make sure that makes it to the podcast. Yes, all about Lucas. It's all about Lucas. Hello and welcome to the Leaderverse, where we're having a different conversation around leadership with your hosts, Drew Lee, Lucas Sheradin, and me, Jesse Button. Y'all, I don't care how much money you're getting paid to lead. In a crisis, the person with the answers becomes the leader. It's not about rhetoric. It's not about who's on stage. In a shift, leaders are the ones that arrive at the destination, perhaps a little bit unequipped. Also, did you know it takes 0% intelligence to criticize a leader? <laughs> I say that in jest, y'all, but welcome, welcome, welcome to the Leaderverse. So I read something yesterday. It was actually from a, from a, uh, it was a conference call. It was an economic call around specifically the real estate industry. And they shared some statistics and statistics, you know, you, you always take it with a grain of salt because, you know, it's a matter of where they came from. But the statistic was 70% of real estate agents have never worked in a normal market. And 80% of lenders have never worked in a non-refinance market. So what do you think that means to the professional out there in the marketplace today? Yeah, I, Gosh, wow, we're going to go here. I know that our conversation is all about leadership. I think what's going to happen is we're going to see authentic leadership emerge, and we're going to see authentic control and mandates and dictates increase. Someone about mandates and dictates increase. Yeah, I, I think we, when people aren't great leaders, they have to resort to mandating behavior and dictating outcomes and, and become more controlling instead of more leading. And I, I think that when we're when we're scared, I think I think you see real leaders emerge, and usually, like real leaders, don't see themselves as real leaders. Uh, you had me read a book by uh, Donald Miller about um, uh, a missional hero, a hero on a mission, mm -hmm. and, and I thought about that it was interesting. No hero thinks of themselves as a hero. So if you go to any Marvel comic book or any type of movie or any type of video, no hero says. I'm the hero. Here I am. Watch me and follow me. They usually are very scared, very broken, trying to figure yes. things out. And they show up and just say, how do I, I, I hate saying this because it's cliche in our industry. How do I add value to people? It's, I don't think that leaders think that way. I think leaders say, oh, you need some help. I'll help you. I'll come and do this, or I'll see if I can help on scale. And so I think with the market shifting uh, in the real estate space, with real estate agents who could could work in specific ways and it worked for them in the past market, I think anytime there's a shift, I think there's anytime there's a crisis, I think anytime that there's a challenge, we see two things emerge. We see authentic leaders and heroes emerge, and they don't see themselves as heroes and leaders. So if you're listening to this and say, gosh, I don't see myself as a hero, you may qualify actually. So they don't even see themselves as leaders most of the time. Often they question, why do people follow me? You know, I heard a story about 9-11, Drew, that uh, was interesting was uh, during when the towers hit and so many stories emerged from that crisis. And, but when the towers hit, apparently there were some, you know, high level executives that were in their, you know, two, $3,000 suits and they were on the elevator and the, the planes hit the tower and the elevator shut down. And uh, they were also uh, accompanied, the, these three or four gentlemen were accompanied on the same elevator with a, uh, a custodian that was, was, had his cart with him. 
and they're they're on their phones trying to call out, trying to get help and et cetera, you know, all, on and on and on. And and when it kind of calmed down, the custodian just kind of looked around and in the darkness, he was thinking and he was like looking and he was like, I think we're between, you know, like 20 floors, 25 and 26. And he was just thinking, he goes, you know what? And he breaks off his, uh, takes out a broom handle, breaks a broom handle over his knee and starts going in and wedging back and forth the door, you know, open it and open it. And like, yeah, it is. And he punches through a wall, realizing that there was a demolition uh, taking place on the other side of this specific floor. And he led these high level executives out of danger the high level executives are getting paid millions of dollars to quote lead but in a crisis the person with the answers is the leader and i've always thought about that i think in this market whoever can actually help real estate agents or mortgage lenders or you know loan officers underwriters i think whoever can provide real solutions that actually work and that aren't just good rhetoric from a stage i think those are going to emerge as the leaders and then i also think we're going to see organizations that have a lot to lose, companies that have a big organizational chart. I, I think we're going to see people who are in positional leadership be very tempted to get more controlling, to get more demanding, to be more, uh, this is what we're going to do, top-down type of things. And I think that that's what crisis does. It emerges, the leaders emerge as well as in our language, the villains and the, you know, villains don't have friends and people that follow them. Villains have minions. That's such, a, that's such a great statement, Lucas. In a crisis, the person with the answers becomes the leader. So if if I'm listening and I'm and I and I have found myself or finding myself being the leader that's wanting to take control, I want everybody in the office. I want every because I want to be able to see everyone at all times. I want to be it's really control that we're after. What do you do when you recognize that because, you know, wanting to get everyone in the office and wanting to control every aspect of what you see and what people do doesn't necessarily change the results. It's like if I expect everyone I know to show up to the gym, doesn't mean they're going to do anything once they're there that's going to be meaningful. Now we're just all in the same place at the same time. But as the leader, I've got control. Way to go, me. Yeah. And, that, you know, we kind of joked around at the beginning of this. It's all about me that that's what it ends up resorting to. And so I think I think a leader needs to figure out. Get, and I don't know why at 55 years old, I'm still struggling with this question. What is it that you really want as a leader? And if I want minions, they control everybody. If I want authentic buy in, there's a different approach that needs to be taken. And well, so that's that's the I guess that's the real question. And what's the approach? So I don't, you know, if I'm a leader and, and I assume everyone here, you know, in some ways, everyone that's listening probably has their own form of leadership or what role they're in. If I find myself being the control or I want to become the dictator or I want to leave in like this militant style that, that we know people don't like that type of leader, they don't want to be led by that person. What do you do about it? What do you do when you recognize, oh, this is me being a control freak. Yeah, I I think for me, I, I don't know that because uh, for us to s- sit on a podcaster or, or this leaderverse conversation and say, this is what you must do, we actually become what we're saying not to be. And so I think <laughs> that we I think we have to say, okay, mm-hmm. let me gauge the health of my organization. Let me identify with great clarity what it is we want. Make sure everybody wants the same thing because they may not. Um, and then 
what problem are we going to wake up today and, and go to solve? And what, what is the problem that we're going to fix? And what's the best mechanism to do it? Now, I, I don't, you know, like when you have a two-year-old and a three-year-old, at that particular point in parenting, control is okay. But when they're 15 and 16, control is not okay. It doesn't work. In fact, you'll get rebellious teenagers if you try to control. And at that point, if you, you, you have to turn into, how do I teach them to think? It's the same in an organization. If I have an organization with people that I hired to simply take orders and run a specific system, then control is great. But if I hire leaders, which I think like you and I are thinking about, and hire people who I view as partners instead of employees, then I lead mm -hmm. them differently. So I think we have to ascertain what's our what's our organization? Who have we hired? And okay, McDonald's, you could be very controlling because you have a system and you run a system and you don't make a French fry any other way and you don't, you don't have curly fries. You you're very quote controlling because you're a high system and your employees must do the system. And yeah. if that's my organization, then that's what I do. If I have an organization that I say is based on partnership and on mutual agreements and mutually, you know, we agree on the goal and the outcomes we're at, that leadership style is totally different. Different. I think of Maxwell talking about leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And I don't totally agree with that statement because like today it's raining like crazy in Kansas City. Well, I was influenced by weather, but it, weather didn't, isn't my leader. But mm -hmm. I do think the influence part of leadership is everything. And how is it that I choose to influence? And I think it has to be right type of organization, right type of output with the right type of leadership. So the McDonald's set setting, very controlled. Mm -hmm. Real estate, very collaborative. Now, how are you going to lead your organization and what's the outcome you want? And know this, that like if you started working for me, Drew, and it was a job that you're just, you're eager to learn and you are low-level competence and low-level confidence, I've got to be, there, there's a whole theory about this, and I don't remember the book on situational leadership, mm -hmm. that if you're low confidence, low competence, I show up and I have to be very telling, I have to be very monitoring over time, once you own a job, I need to be less controlling and let, because you've got high competence, high confidence. Now I have to lead you and keep you motivated and inspired. Quite literally, the million-dollar question. If I find I'm controlling, mm -hmm. what do I do? You may need to do more of that. You may need yeah. to do a whole lot less of that, depending on your organization. It's a good point. You said, you know, it's like when you're when they're children, you're you're controlling. When they become teenagers, if you're too controlling, they become rebellious. So you have to teach them a, a way of thinking to get what they want. And that's what a lot of, I mean, leadership really is. And that's what we're talking about. Leaderverse is like leaderverse is what's the antithesis of those who do this poorly. And what are examples of those who do this well? And at the end of the day, leaders are supposed to get, whether it's an organization, a group of people, leaders are supposed to arrive at the destination. That's right. That's exactly like, I mean, if you're, if you're carpooling with a group of people, who's the leader, right. whoever is behind the wheel. It doesn't mean they have the most experience as a driver. It doesn't mean they're the best driver. If you've ever been in a vehicle with somebody that absolutely has no business behind the wheel, you know, you're like, all right, can, can we just kind of pull over and, and, I, and, you know, but that's what leadership is. Sometimes you find yourself behind in, in a vehicle behind somebody or with someone and they have no business driving, but yet 
they've got control of the wheel. That might be positional leadership. That might be situational leadership. But the, the, the role of the leader is to get a person or an organization where it's supposed to go. What's well, think, the destination? I think the other conversation we, we really need to have is what if I'm in an organization and my leader doesn't recognize they're controlling and my leader doesn't recognize <laughs> And, or they don't know where the hell they're going. Yeah. Or they're like, yeah. I'm in the back seat and my prayer life is going up because I mean, I used to do international mission trips. I'll tell you what, um, no disrespect to my Indian friends, but when you, you're driving over there, it's a little crazy. I mean, the horn is a very needed instrument. In the- <laughs> well, it's, it's like, you know, it's like the scene. And if you, if for those who've seen European vacation, you know, it's, <laughs> it's the scene of, uh, you know, Hey kids, big Ben. You know, and like the fiftieth time in the roundabout, <laughs> all right, there's Big Ben. He's on, you know, he's, he's on the border of tears because he's just going around in circles. Yeah. And if you're in that, if you're if you're with that leader, it's like, hey, we're just we're just going around in circles. And I, as I look at it, for me, Drew, I think that that's where I get my my opportunity in that organization is to say, do I want still want this? And then, how do I develop myself in the midst of this? I, you know, you know, I was a pastor for years and there's a, a story in, in the Bible that talks about uh, David, who ends up being the king of Israel, serving underneath another king that was throwing like javelins at him. And I'm thinking as bad as it's ever gotten in my journey with leaders that are controlling, nobody's ever thrown a javelin at me. Nobody's ever, yeah. you know, hunted me down and made me go into exile <laughs> because they wanted to kill me. Right. And so it's not that bad. And I, I remember I came to a crossroads for me, Drew, with one specific leader that had a very definite culture of, of fear and culture of control, was getting great outcomes. And oh, yeah. I had to make a decision. Who do I choose to be now that I'm I'm making a decision? I don't have to be here. I choose to be here. Now, who do I choose to be? Because I'm not changing him or her. I can change me. So I'm going to use my controlling leader as my opportunity to become somebody who's greater than I was before. You just said something that's really pivotal is do you understand that leader? See, leadership to me is all about thinking how we think, how the person that we're leading, how to get them to think. So they do the best for ultimately the mission of the organization, taking them where they want to go. And at the same time, recognizing the leaders around you to know how they think and how do you ultimately navigate to not only get the best out of them, but help make sure you get the best out of yourself and don't compromise your values at the same time. Well, and last is a real difficult one though. Yeah. For me, I've had enough roles of leadership and here's just like a, a, a rule that kind of summarizes the where, where I'm at. I will never criticize a sitting president. Now I, I have, I have political ideas that I say, I have a different idea than this, but the truth is, I've never sat in the seat of the president of the United States. So what business do I have being an armchair quarterback? Because any idiot could criticize a leader. It takes no character, no intelligence to criticize a leader. In fact, entire <laughs> major news networks are based upon the fact that they know that most idiots out there would like to create. Cri- so they, they're the idiot networks. <laughs> they, connect, they connect through complaining. It's, it's like, yeah, we, we, we had the opportunity of recently listening to Brennan Burchard and you know, he talked about how the the surface level of of teamwork and and building the surface level is com- is connecting through complaining, which is most of what the news media, these different sources, they they get people to connect on. Hey, what's your opinion on these things? And you know, people write columns about that, and it's 
it's like the dichotomy of it doesn't take any courage to pick out what's wrong with a leader or frankly, what's wrong with an organization. I once heard Tony Robbins say, nobody needs someone to show me what's wrong. Like I I can find somebody for 15 or or probably eight bucks an hour to walk into an organization and say, well, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. Exactly. But it doesn't, and it doesn't take any courage, and it doesn't take a whole unique skill set of finding what's wrong with a company, a culture, or organization, or a direction of the leader. Yeah. Skill set is finding out, okay, well, what should be done that can further the cause and move us closer to the destination based on, you know, your involvement. Yeah. So every day I wake up in that situation and I get the opportunity to develop my own character, my own integrity. And then I still have to make a decision. Do I still choose to be in this organization underneath that leadership? Do I choose to go do something else? I'm one of the things I'm thinking a lot about right now these days is I am, I see so much of my life running on autopilot. And just, I do something because I have a preference. I do something because I like this or I don't like this. I think that one of the greatest things as a leader is wake up every day and make a decision. Am I going to continue to do this? Do I still want this? Am I wanting to quit because it's hard or am I wanting to quit because I want to do something else and make a decision and quit living life on our emotions? Emotions are liars. And and, and what do I choose to be today? And then be that. And I think that uh, a leader that has weaknesses or a leader that has some challenges or a leader that's controlling that, that uh, that's the antithesis of what we what we promote. I think that is actually where we have the opportunity to be the person that's that lives by decision instead of by default, and mm-hmm. it also helps shape that I'm just not going to be that type of leader. And here's the caution on that that statement, though. True is I have found out that everybody who judges somebody else usually becomes what they judge. So you're really controlling. Guess what? That person tends to be if they don't deal with it. <laughs> Super controlling. And be well, it's like children. They, or it's like, they it's like you're just like your father. You're, you, you know, you know why? Yep. It's because I judge my father. It's because I judge my mom. Oh, I hate that about them. And then I become that. So I mm-hmm. would put the real big cautionary red flag on this. You become what you judge. So be careful about judging a leader because um, I remember one time, Drew, and you, you were actually in the room. I made fun of a leader on a very public stage. And, um, and it's a whole story where I thought I had permission to do it. And it was a real bad move on my part. But one of the lessons I learned in there is leaders don't take shots at other leaders because leaders understand the price that a true leader has to pay. And so we don't take shots at other leaders. We can combat ideas, have a high clash of ideas and a high clash of thoughts, but a very low clash of egos. And so mm-hmm. I, I'm really careful about judging somebody else because i i just choose not to be what i judge (laughs) that's that's fascinating a fascinating part is you know what you and i do necessarily today is not going to have an impact on him or her or whomever is sitting in the white house one way or the other or most the house most the senate etc but it's like what's the one thing you can do most you can further and better yourself and if each one of us would take that on as how could I better myself as a person, as a human, as a leader? Guess what happens to the leader at the ultimate, you know, call it the helm of the ship, the, the, the person in the White House, for that matter. Their job just got easier. 
Right. If every person in an organization, professionally, politically, as a country, as a community, as a town, as a neighborhood, would just take the responsibility on themselves of I, I'm just going to be the best human I can be, then the leader's job gets so much easier. You also yeah, well, said that, you know, in, in all of the heroes, the Marvel, going back to that example of, you know, I wrote down when you said that, I said, you know, actually what they were, they were cursed. They didn't want this role. Iron Man didn't say, all right, sure. You know what? Let me put the glove on, you know, and, and, and snap my fingers. This is going to end well for me, which if you've seen it, you know, it didn't go so well. And at the same time, you know, he had a hole in his chest that was, you know, fitted with, with, a. You know, a, a, basically a nuclear power in his in his chest. The Incredible Hulk. You know, you look at all of these Marvel, and they were they were tragic tales. They lost loved ones. They didn't step up and want to be there. It was a curse. It was a responsibility, and they ultimately took it on. But they were all flawed, and they were all, in many ways, they had their own tragedy that you wouldn't you wouldn't wish for. You wish for the power but not the tragedy or the consequences to go with it. I think it kind of goes with your opening question. The market's changing that, you know, the real estate space, most of the agents, because we have such churn in this industry, most mm-hmm. agents have not experienced this, that leaders are going to be born because of pain. Leaders are going to be born because people are scared. Leaders are going to be born because people don't know the answer. And, and when people are scared, they do silly things. Leaders, are- People, leaders will be born because they have a broom handle and they know what floor they're on. There you go. And in a crisis, uh, that's, that's such a crisis. such an amazing story yeah. to share. And and frankly, I thank you. I had I had not heard that story, but such a powerful example of you know the person that remains calm in under pressure, the person that has solutions. Yeah. People will naturally gravitate towards that person. In that case. Breaking a broom handle. Well, so, and, 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 gentlemen, they're listening. What's the broom handle? Yeah. And well, what's the broom handle? Here's the funny thing is those guys that are being paid millions of dollars in $2,000, $3,000 suits, there was no ego there because they got to the point of crisis where ego doesn't matter. And this is what I what I believe is people don't follow those with answers sometimes because they have a heavy, very high level of self. They have a very healthy ego. They're embarrassed. Uh, people will go into massive debts debt before they say, hey, I need some financial help. People will go broke before they ask for, I need a coach. People will say, I don't want a partner because I want my own brand. They'll do all these things. But in a crisis, ego tends to get out the window and say, where are the answers? I've got to take care of myself. I got to take care of my family. And so here's what I, I believe, Drew, is people change because of one of two things, pressure or passion. In that elevator, those high- Write that down, folks. Write that down. I don't care. If you're in a car, pull over. Pull over right now. Well, and here's what, in that that elevator, those guys didn't change and follow the janitor because of passion. They changed because of pressure. Now, if I think about it in my own life, I would rather change because of uh, passion, not pressure. So make good decisions now because you have a compelling vision of the future. Mm -hmm. Put your ego aside- because there may come a time pressure is going to force you to make a change that you could have made out of passion and it would have been less painful. That's such a, such a powerful statement. All right. So here's the, here's the assignment from this conversation that we're having. 
is figure out who you're going to be and how you're going to lead yourself and lead others through this next challenge, this next chaotic time. But remember, you become what you judge. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Man, I appreciate you, Drew.